This afternoon, we confess Lord's Day 46 of the Heidelberg Catechism, Lord's Day 46. And there the church has confessed the word of God as follows. Why has Christ commanded us to address God as our Father? To awaken in us at the very beginning of our prayer that childlike reverence and trust toward God which should be basic to our prayer. God has become our Father through Christ and will much less deny us what we ask of him in faith than our fathers would refuse us earthly things. Why is there added in heaven? These words teach us not to think of God's heavenly majesty in an earthly manner and to expect from his almighty power all things we need for body and soul. So far, our confession. Beloved in the Lord Jesus Christ, brothers and sisters, and that includes you, boys and girls, too. That passage we read from Luke 15 has traditionally been called the parable of the prodigal son. And you can see why it's mostly about this boy that left his father's house to live a life of reckless abandon. Put it in today's term, a covenant child Christian home, loving parents, but he fell. This one left home and church and Lord to see what life was like on the other side. So, yes, it, this parable concerns a prodigal son, but in the end, it's not really about the son at all. This is about the Father, this parable. And that's how the Lord Jesus actually begins that, that parable. In verse 11, he said, a certain man had two sons. It's about the Father, whose love and forgiveness is limitless. His love for his son, the one son that we concern ourselves with this afternoon. His son had squandered everything the father had given him, and still the father welcomes him when he comes back, crawling back home, and he even throws a feast for his returned son to celebrate his return. And this father, Jesus describes in the parable as a very, very special father. And he represents none other than our Heavenly Father, our forgiving and loving Father through Jesus Christ crucified, the God and Father of sinners saved only by grace in Christ. Well, he's the Father who our Savior directs us to address in prayer, first of all, in the Lord's Prayer. And in Lord's Day 46, 
we confess that we're to address this father with childlike trust and awe. Childlike. That's what he wants from us, that we're children and that we see him as our loving father. And with that in mind, I proclaim to you, Lord's Day 46, in the light of that parable, with this theme, the loving father, Jesus, who Jesus teaches us to address in prayer. We pay attention to first the son's awful request and secondly, the father's awesome grace, love. First, the, the son's awful request. In the parable of Jesus, he describes the younger son as going to his father on a certain day and stating to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. And you have to notice that he's not requesting it. May I? Could I? He demands it. Give me what I have coming to me. I want it now. According to the Old Testament, the older son was to receive two-thirds of the father's estate, a double portion, and the younger was entitled to one-third of the inheritance. And it was also generally understood that a father would have the use of everything in the estate until his death. And the children were then to take care of their parents until their death. The son in the parable, though, by demanding his share of the inheritance while his father was still alive, in fact, disowned his father. Disowned his father at that time. He, wa he was breaking all ties and responsibilities also toward his father. Awful. You see that in what he did after he received the money. He didn't buy land or start a business locally, make some money, so still be part of the family or so. No, he, he took off and he journeyed to a far country with what he had, and he just wanted to live high off the hog, live the party lifestyle. And that far country then represents worldly living, ungodly living. And it didn't take, that, take long for that young, younger son to find out what, where ungodly living leads, you, leads to. Leads nowhere. He wasted all his money with prodigal living, it says. He lived like a rock star in Vegas. Fancy apartment, fast cars, glamorous-looking women from escort agencies, drugs, booze, gambling, the whole rigmarole. In today's words, today's terms, he didn't think about the future. His motto was carpe diem, seize the day. But then something unexpected happened in this fellow's life living off the high hog, famine struck the land. The economy collapsed. The crops failed, the markets caved, and it didn't take long, and the younger son ran out of funds. 
all the glitz and the glamour faded away, and the people who had hung around with him before faded away, replaced by the collection agencies, you can imagine. It says in verse 16, nobody gave that younger son anything, anything at all. He was on his own, and he, he descended very quickly from the penthouse to the pig pen. He got a job feeding pigs, which was an awful job for a Jew because pigs were unclean animals. In the parable, Jesus says he got so hungry he even longed to eat what he was feeding the pigs. And you realize that Jesus was painting here a picture of children of God who don't realize what a loving father they have through him and who then turn their backs on him. That son represents, actually represents us all. When we get caught up with our own desires and wants, let ourselves get caught in sin, we don't acknowledge our Father in Christ anymore then. Because to, to fall into and also hold on to a sin is rejection of the Father. We ignore Him and we waste His good gifts. And you can think of David after sin with Bathsheba when he thought life could just go on as before, far away from God until he realized this was not going to go, this is not going to end well. And then remembered how good he had it with his father before. That's how we are by nature. Ungrateful, unselfish, foolish, sinful. And we don't realize what a loving father we have. And that's why self-examination before the Lord's Supper every time. So that we think about that again that we acknowledge our sins and sinfulness, acknowledge our awful turning away from our Father time and again. We don't appreciate that we've been adopted in Christ by the most faithful and loving Father there is in, in the universe. Instead, I'm afraid we often, too often, just demand from God what we think He owes us what we think we, we deserve and have a right to. All the blessings of a good life, health, wealth, happiness, and so on. And other than that, you know, then we sometimes just would like to God to leave us alone, want to do our, our own thing. And that's how we are by nature, congregation, sadly. Even though as Christians we've been delivered from all unrighteousness in Christ so that God is our Father in Christ, as we confess in Lord's Day 46, we still have that awful inclination not to see how good and loving our Father is and how we, we hurt Him. We underestimate by far that He has our good at heart and that there is considerable blessing in obeying his commandments and living with him. And then we can think then that we know better than him what's good for us. And then young people can sort of feel they're being cheated because life out in the world 
with certain things seems so much more fun. And husbands or wives wonder if they would feel happier with somebody else instead of keeping the vows they made before God at their wedding. How often, how often aren't our hearts drawn away from our God? How often do we really see him as an incredibly loving father? We see ourselves in that youngest son all too much, don't we? And we mistreat our father, treat him awfully, use what he gives without giving thanks, go our own way without thinking of how how we're treating our covenant God and Father. And congregation, Jesus shows in that younger son's plight that, that ignoring our Father through him is a dead-end street. We so desperately need our Father in Christ to be close to him. We need to be delivered from thinking that life without him or him at the fringes is much more fulfilling, so much more pleasant than life with him. The world without God has nothing to offer. Nothing but awful emptiness, loss, shame, regret, hunger that can't be satisfied. And that's life without the Father Christ has given us by his sacrifice. That younger son wanted freedom from his father, freedom from family, freedom to live his desires. That's our problem too, by nature. Thankfully, that son realized in time how good he had had it with his father and realized what a loving father he had when he was still home. Realized it was much better with his father after all and decided to go back home. And that brings us to our second point, the father's awesome grace. You may know that this parable was preceded by that of the lost sheep as well as the lost coin in Luke 15. Jesus speaks in those parables about things that are lost but later found. Well, in the parable of the prodigal son, the father lost his son, so to speak. However, whereas in the other two parables, people desperately sought what they lost, in this one, we're not told that there was any actual seeking by the father. But that doesn't mean that the father didn't love his son and had given up on him. Parents who have had a child leave home for that distant land, for that world without God, they know better, right? Their hearts ache for their child, for a child such as that. Know that the father's heart ached for his son here, and you can imagine that he was on his knees praying for him every day. I can say that because when the son returned and was still a long way off, it says in verse 20 that the father saw him and had compassion. The idea conveyed here is that the father longed for the return of his son and he regularly stood on the road looking down to see if he could see him coming back. So we can safely assume that this father was praying fervently for this son's return. 
Well, in that far country, the son in his hunger and misery came to his senses, and he saw the folly of his ways and how loving a father he, he had turned his back to. Nothing to eat while his father's hired servants had more than enough bread to eat. He sees his sin. He sees his sin, and that's, that's the first step of our self-examination before the Lord's Supper. Sees his sin, and you notice that in the confession he prepares to bring before his father that he does so. He says in verses 18 and 19, I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. What a remarkable change for this son. When we first met him, he was brash, had little regard for his father, demanded the inheritance, abandoned his father. But now that things have fallen apart and he has had the time to reflect on what he did and where he has ended up, he has come to his senses, as it says. He's come to, to see reality. He realizes again what a loving father he left behind there at home. How good he had it. How good it is with him. And he realizes he has for, forfeited any rightful claim to, to be the son of that father. And so he doesn't come back requesting to be returned to his place as son of the house. No, he'd be humbly satisfied just to be a servant working for the father. Understands then, he accepts that he deserves nothing. Can only ask for some kindness yet. And congregation, that's, that's what true repentance is. Also for us, realizing again what a loving father we have offended and turned our backs to. And you see how awesome our father in Christ's love is in that father in the parable. It says the father saw his son while he was still a long way off and he had compassion on him. And he ran to meet his boy. He embraced and kissed him. The Lord Jesus conveys that Father's love so beautifully in verse 20. And the, the Father was waiting. He was waiting. He, he loved his child simply because he was his child. He saw him far off already. The Father had never stopped loving and hoping and looking and praying, he rushed out to meet his son on the road, and then he held him and kissed him before his son could even say a word. And you have to think, that wasn't the way things went in the Middle East, that a father would run out to his son and kiss him on the road. That wasn't done. But so great was the father's joy at his son's return. So great his love for his child. And when the son starts to present his sincere confession to his father, he doesn't get, even get to the part about being satisfied with being 
a servant instead of a son. He doesn't even get that far. The father interrupts him, spares his son further humiliation. He doesn't ask why he stank like unclean pigs or what he did with all the money and where he had been. No. The father sees his son's condition and he loves him. He forgives him. He's the most loving father in the whole wide world. Even his son's awful behavior didn't reduce his love for him. He loved the boy simply because he was his son. And congregation, this is a wonderful picture of how much our Father in Christ loves his children. He receives sinful children when they come back to him on their knees. And he does so again and again. When we go to our Father in heaven in humble repentance for our sins, he embraces us in love as the father in the parable embraced the prodigal son again, completely, without reserve, without questions, without probation. Because notice how also that father in the parable received his son, not as a slave or a servant, not as somebody who's on probation now, not as somebody who has to earn his love and trust and favor again. No, it all comes from his side. In love, he fully embraces him as son. He orders the robe to be brought and a ring to be put on his finger and sandals for his feet, all signs of sonship. And the father ordered the servants to kill the fatted calf for, the great, for a great feast and celebration because the son who was dead is alive again, who had been lost is found. That's how the father experienced that in his heart. And that's how he loved him. What a comforting illustration this parable is of God's awesome love for us in Christ Jesus. He's not just happy if you work hard like that older son later on in the same parable. He's not just happy if you give him things like that younger man's friends. As soon as he had no more money, those friends were gone. The friendship evaporated. But our Father, our Father in Christ, because of Christ, stands on the road looking to see if we're coming. How is it with my child? I miss him, her, because I love my children. That's how our Father in heaven is, congregation. Joyful when his children return to him. No matter what they've done, no matter where they've been, no matter how bad they smell. He throws his arms around you and he kisses you and gives you clean clothes and shoes. When you come back, when you seek him, and he prepares a feast for you, a forgiveness feast even, the Lord's Supper. The Lord's Supper, what a loving Father we have. That's displayed here. No wonder Jesus Christ taught us to address God as our Father in heaven in the Lord's Prayer. 
because this Father embraces you with awesome love and grace. He wants only good for you. Seeks only the good for your body and soul for you. Because you're his sons and daughters through Jesus Christ, his eternal son. Self completely for you. Amen. Let's pray. Thank you, Father, that after all our sins and weaknesses, you still love us. Thank you that you waited for us every day till we came back to you. We have it so good with you. We realized that again. Forgive us for forgetting that and wanting to go our own way so often, even in our hearts. Even if we didn't do the deeds in our hearts, we did. Sometimes in our hearts, we went to faraway countries. Father, we've sinned against you in heaven and of ourselves not worthy to be called your children. But thank you for your great grace in Jesus Christ. Embrace us in Christ. Cleanse us with his blood. Clothe us with his righteousness, we pray. Your love is so incredibly great. Feed us and fill us with your spirit also through the bread and wine of the Lord's Supper so that we may be motivated to love and serve you with our whole hearts, determined not to turn from you again. Help us to always stay close to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.